And the explanation was that they were ranking teams by computer and the final game would have not changed the outcome <laughs> of, of the seating. Right. Yeah. So, so, okay. Well, how the hell, how does this happen? You know, uh, what kind yeah. of numbers go into this? The NCAA has a long history of being transparent. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, they do. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Uh, welcome to episode two of season four of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. And Rob Gillery. Hey, guys. Uh, when brainstorming ideas for some podcasts this summer, uh, Rob said uh, we should have our guest Eric Beaver on. Uh, most of the college hockey fans are familiar with USCHO and CHN, uh, but tonight uh, we'll talk about one of the ways, uh, the first ways college hockey fans started talking online to folks at other schools with the Hockey-L email list with longtime Gopher fan, uh, Eric Beaver. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Thank you. Happy to be here. I know we, uh, I know I was trying to get it all to fit in one tweet and that's kind of what the tweet said, but, but I wanted to talk about how, you know, as a tech fan, we all know the history of like the phone number score line. And this is kind of what bridged yeah. that gap from the score line to the USCHO message board, to the modern day, everything with our discord and everything else that you can do now. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of cool to talk to somebody about something kind of in between, which was a little bit before my time. I don't think I was ever on Hockey L, even though I know you said it's still around. Um, but, yeah, Hockey uh, L. So the reason the reason I know Eric, yeah, is my dad was a big member of Hockey L from from the tech side of things, right? He was the the guy that's that right. If he from, didn't make that Husky blatantly stuff. obvious from his yeah. comment on our <laughs> Facebook post yep. today. Yep. So uh it's been it's been something that i've seen and have heard of and have known about for a long time and eric and his wife paula would come up to come up to michigan tech on occasion we'd get kicked out of our two seats that the kids got to have for the hockey games and those were usually the weekends we couldn't actually go to hockey games because eric and paula were using our seats so it, it's one of the few weekends at the mcginnis that we weren't allowed to go to when we were younger we could have a babysitter instead <laughs> so it's uh I've got a lot of fond memories of those those guys coming up. Uh, Eric would usually bring along a, a puck or a, a pin or something. So I still have gopher stuff at somewhere in a box over that way that isn't out in the office yet that's uh, that, that's from Eric or, or old hockey magazines, something to read with stats in it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a real fond memory of mine from growing up is, is Eric and Paula coming to town for the gopher series and, and then getting to go to the Hockey L meetings the one time I got to go to the Final Four. Because uh, I know there's a USCHO gathering in the Final Four. You guys have been a part of that, right? Uh, Dustin and Tim, I think you guys do that, right? I think I did it once, yeah. Yep, in St. Louis, I think we did it. So. Yeah, Hockey L's been doing that every Final Four since how long, Eric? Since 1992. Actually, 91. So, uh, we had a hotel room party in 1991 in which we got <laughs> a few, uh, few uh, Hockey L members together. 
Was well, I thought you were going to talk about a, f- a few people arrested, but okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, do you want to just kind of give us a little bit of how it started and, and you know the an explanation of just what how, how did it work, right? Sure. Let's talk about that side of things. Be happy to start with that. Uh, Paul and I started going to go for hockey in 1980. Now for the next 10 years, if you wanted to know scores from somewhere else, somewhere else in college hockey, especially on the East Coast, that mysterious place, you had the newspaper. <laughs> you know, you'd check the Saturday paper and maybe you'd have some scores from the WCHA and with some luck, maybe some scores from out East. A Sunday paper might have a few. Sometimes they didn't show up to like next Tuesday if they showed up at all. Or you'd get scores like New Hampshire 4, Boston 2. And you're going, but, 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 but which Boston, right? <laughs> so so it, was hard, it was hard to know what was going on. There are a couple of print publications that try to keep track, but they're, you know, usually way behind the times. And then the internet came, well, the precursor of the internet came along and email happened. Now, about 1989 or 90, Mike Macknick, who most of you folks know, started a, a mailing list called College Hockey. And I didn't know about that yet. But then in 1990, just after the 1990 Frozen Four, some software came along called ListServ, which a lot of uh, hockey, a lot of uh, mailing lists on the internet were maintained on. And ListServ actually still exists. At that time, you could look at the ListServ list of lists. How many lists were, lists were there? There were like, like about 100 different mailing lists. And that was it. I was perusing the list one fine day and I see one called Hockey L. College hockey discussion list. Wow, what's this? I subscribe to it. I start getting email. And it's people talking about college hockey from elsewhere in the college hockey world. There's this guy named Bob Gilreath from Michigan Tech who was kind of a chatterbox. <laughs> Some of us Gopher fans dove in pretty quick. And this is where we started getting scores from other places. And game reports. And all these things that we never got in the newspapers at all, but scores from a game that finished an hour ago. A report from someone who was actually there. Yeah, so, folks were actually writing up reports, right? I think my oh, dad yeah. Used to do oh, that. some people yeah. used to write really extensive game reports. Yeah, yeah. You know, reports of fights, bad calls, outstanding goals, you name it. It was all their pep bands. We used to argue about pep bands. <laughs> yeah, college hockey hasn't moved past that yet. <laughs> no, 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 never will. So inevitably, we start comparing teams, right? Because we're all, you know, if we're on this, if we have access to email, we're all geeks. And so yeah. these are college hockey geeks, and we need to start ranking teams. And so there are a bunch of methods that were out there. Uh, Keith Enstone, who was... Uh, pretty heavily involved in this in the beginning, he created a thing called the College Hockey Computer Rating, TCHCR. It had a five-letter acronym, and pretty much every ranking that came along after that had five letters. <laughs> There's one called CHODR that was the College Hockey, I can't remember the rest of it, Robin Locke and Tim Danahy did that one. Um, the Crack Rating, K-R-A-C-H, which you guys are all familiar with, that came along a few years later. So as uh, it said, crack. I've always said cratch for that one. I've never. That's actually probably said right. Crack. I don't. Yeah. I don't think anything <laughs> is official on that. So <laughs> sure. So okay. So we got these ranking systems going along, and then the 1991 tournament comes up. Now I've been in hockey L for about a year at this point, and this was a this was a turning point. Uh, the WCHA tournament that year was played on a Sunday and a Monday. Hmm. Monday was third place game, and the championship game in the evening. 
In the afternoon between those games, the NCAA announced what the pairings would be for the tournament. <laughs> Even before they'd finished the championship game, the WCHA tournament. And we're going, well, what the hell? And the explanation was that they were ranking teams by computer and the final game would have not changed the outcome <laughs> of, of the seating, right? Yeah. So, so, okay, well, how the hell, how does this happen? You know, uh, what kind yeah. of numbers go into this? The NCAA has a long history of being transparent. Oh my goodness. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. And so it was based on a thing called the rating percentage index. That was part of it. And it had been discovered, uh, developed initially, I think for college baseball in the seventies. And it was a reasonably good way of comparing teams. It's not a very good method. And that's been, of course, debated a lot over the past decades, but it was based on the opponents, uh, pardon me, a team's winning percentage, the team's opponent's winning percentage, and the opponent's opponent's winning percentage. You calculate that, all those, and then the weighting of them has changed over the years. At the time I started doing this, it was 20, 40, 40. So there was a little bit of information on, on there on how to do it. Now, we couldn't, we didn't have search engines back then. But I found a couple of articles. One was in, uh, oh gosh, it was in uh, Let's Play Hockey, which is a local publication here. And then there's uh, one other magazine article that I found, and it sort of explained what the rank, you know, what the formula was. So I said, I'm going to see if I can do this. So I started working on a program. I did this in Turbo Pascal, which you'd have to be a real <laughs> old timer to have worked with Pascal at all. This is what, what I was using on an old PC. And started to develop this thing. And I started to get numbers. And I'm not sure whether they're right or not. So Keith Instone, who was a member of Hockey L, who was actually doing the actual RPI for the NCAA, uh, he couldn't tell me what the formula was. But I could send my results to him and he'd let me know if I was right or not. (laughs) So I kept working on this over the course of the 91-92 season. And I finally had a breakthrough moment in which I realized, oh, I almost have this, except I need to filter out the team's own games in the opponent's winning percentage. And I sent that to Keith. That's a really fun part, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was actually in the shower when it hit me. (laughs) Oh, that's it. That's it. Eureka moment. Your absolute Eureka moment wrote the code. By gosh, it works. So this was about March of 1992, and I decided, well, okay, now I can't. I'm worried about the NCAA. I'm not going to call it RPI. I'm going to prevaricate just a little bit, and I'll go with a five-letter acronym. So I called it RPICH, Rating Percentage Index for College Hockey. And I unleashed that on Hockey L. <laughs> just in time for that year's tournament. And it was, re- you know, at least it was a tool. At least we knew the same numbers the NCAA was working with. And now we have that to work with. Hmm. That's cool. That's a lot of, it's a very similar story to how we made our own calculator. Because one of the things Mm -hmm. that always frustrated me with college hockey news and their, uh, like their, you are the committee thing at the end of the year is you had to wait till the end of the year to do it. And I was like, I want to know now what would happen like if tech had played such and such and this is what happened and right. um so that's why we made our own and we had made it we we got it to the point online where you could put in their scores for the rest of the regular season 
yep. and it would kick out seeding and make the playoffs and do all that stuff. But it took forever. And part of that's because a lot of the websites that display data weren't actually displaying the right thing, like the right part of the iteration, like to get mm-hmm. the, to make sure that I had the right RPI for a given team they were actually displaying the one that included games against the team in question on mm. the display. And, and then Jim Dahl was nice enough to be like, actually go to this website and use these numbers. And if you mm-hmm. get those numbers, mm-hmm. you're calculating it. Right. And I was like, Oh, yep. okay. Yep. And I don't even know if I could fix it anymore. Cause I, it's been so long since I looked at it that I don't remember how it works. And, and you know, the RPI calc changed and then they added the overtime rules. I don't really want to go back and fix it now. So oh, RPI is much more complicated now than when it was when I was working on it. Cause they keep tinkering with it, try and make it work better. It's sort of like ancient astronomers are working with a Ptolemaic system, yep. adding little cycles and sub cycles to make it all work when really they're all wrong. And so the <laughs> RPI is not a very good calculation. It uh, tends to emphasize uh, the strength of teams that have run up a big record against weak teams. Or it'll also uh, exaggerate the record of a team that has um, just played a few non-conference games, happened to win a couple of them, and then was sort of a wash against its opponents. Well, that's one thing that Tim has harped on for, I don't know, how many years now, Tim, of the podcast? So we're doing the podcast about our non-conference schedule needs to be focused on the best team that you can beat playing them as few times as possible. Right. So uh, yep. tournaments like yep. GLI or the desert hockey classic. Right? Yeah. So no, I actually you know met, <laughs> I actually met Joe at where the heck were they? They were all, they, all the coaches were down scouting some tournament that was in Plymouth, Minnesota and all the coaches were there and I was down there. I happened to have my laptop for some reason. And Joe was like asking me about pairwise or we were talking somehow we got on the topic of pairwise and he's like i really wonder what would happen if this and i'm like i can tell you <laughs> so i ran, i remember running out to the car getting my laptop setting it up on one of the like um the bar table like the bar height tables that they had out there and i start doing the calculations he wants to know and i'm like last year if this wcha played no non-conference games you just remove them we would have gotten four teams in the tournament like now, obviously, we learned uh, that the NCA would probably go back to a smoke-filled room if we did that mm-hmm. because <laughs> of what happened the COVID year when there was very limited non-conference. But yep. it is amazing. I, it's the one thing that I've always said is frustrating about like the, the NCHC. Not that they're not good. It's that because of geography they tend to get to play the CCHA teams and the big yep. 10 teams. And they're, they're relatively speaking the best of the three. So most of their non-conference is against quote unquote lower opponents. And all they have to do is win two thirds of those games, which they're probably going to do anyway. And, and suddenly they can get seven teams in the tournament or five, you know, they, they have a, a huge leg up on everybody else. From all these games that happened in October when like tech has 10 freshmen this year, you know, like it's hard to like, you put so much emphasis on a bunch of games in October and a bunch of games in December. And, and I don't, I don't know how to fix that. Um, but, but RPI is not really the way to do it. 
because it's, no. it's it's yeah like you said it's it's helping you too much like it just doesn't emphasize the right things right. i understand why they haven't gone to the cratch because it's not i mean rpi rpi was hard enough to calculate I can't mm -hmm. imagine trying to backwards make cratch myself. Oh, um, I can. I have a pretty good uh, idea of why they've never adopted it. And that's because you can't explain it to a coach or an athletic director. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> you can kind of explain RPI to them and they would sort of follow it. Cause I know, cause I did this a bunch of times. Yep. So I got to fill in a bit of a gap between when we started working with the RPI and when pairwise happened, there was about four years in there about 2002 to 2005, we had the RPI. We knew about the other comparisons that they ran. Uh, it was, you know, head to head. And, and it's, these things changed over the years too. Uh, record in your last 16 games, for instance, record against teams under consideration. And so the thought was, well, what if you could write a computer program that would pull all those things together, not just the RPI, but also do the other comparisons. And I, I kind of worked on this and never got there. The guy who did get there was Tim Brule at USCHO. Actually, it was before USCHO. It was still uh, Tim and Lee's uh, college hockey homepage. Tim <laughs> put it all together, called it the pairwise ranking in 2005. And that, uh, I sort of thought of it as committee in a box, you know, take your list of scores, put them in. What comes out is, is, is the seating. Huh. And from 2000, from, that was in 95. From then until now, it's just been a matter of tinkering with it as, as we go along. Now, one of the interesting things that happened when I was doing the, the four years I was doing the RPI was that the formula would change. We'd have to find out how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it turned out I could talk to, I would, I had a couple of conversations with Rick Comley when he was uh, chair of the ice hockey committee. I'm sure. And if I could yeah, get a hold of him on the phone, he'd be happy to tell me about it. And so he did. <laughs> Yeah, he's back at he's the AD at Northern again. I noticed that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, but he was, he's he's back home, if you will, <laughs> for sure. But he had an interest in getting the, the the process out into the public and getting away from the whole smoke filled room thing. So, yeah, I do prefer the way that you know we get we get that for as opposed to basketball where you don't know where the seedings are going to be, right? Who where mm -hmm. it's going to be? The bracket reveal is a big thing. You know yep. what the bracket's going to look like. What you yeah. don't know is is where they're going to juggle a bit. Yep, that's the only piece that there's the only unknown to it. So it, it is a little bit better. Uh, in, oh, we're pretty spoiled. How it comes? Yeah, I yeah, think. it's nice. You know, yeah, coming into the selection time, we're pretty. We got a pretty good idea of what's going to happen, and we'll still get surprised a little bit, but not a lot. Yep, it's more of a, where are you going to go that gets the surprise rather than uh, who's in, who's out. Mm -hmm. Yep, you, you know all the teams. There's no doubt there usually. So, so what, uh, what else was, uh, from your eyes, like special about hockey? L? Oh gosh. Uh, just the fact that we get to know people who were fans of other teams and some of us who traveled on road trips would actually get to meet each other. And then we'd start going to the frozen four and we had some big, we still have, uh, we still have parties at the frozen four to this day. Our group has sort of been dwindling over the years, but yes, that annual meeting of getting to see people or going out to regionals and knowing people who are going to be there. I mean, this is kind of stuff that some of the Eastern fans had going all along. So if you live in the Boston area, okay. You know, you've got uh, eight different arenas within, you know, 20 miles of your house. If you live up in the UP or if you live where I do, uh, you know, most of your opponents are pretty far away. 
and college uh, hockey also started to bridge that gap. Yeah, it's always nice to go somewhere and know somebody, right? Yep. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, I think USCHO has kind of bridged that gap a little bit, meeting folks mm-hmm. on something like Twitter or Facebook these days. Yep. You know, for the, the current, you know, student generation, when we've gone and traveled, uh, the, the misfits tend to figure out who the opposing student group is and, yeah. and chat with them ahead of time and know who they are at regionals, right? Uh, you, you throw in the fun of uh, uh, of knowing those other folks, and it, it, it's it's always good to get that little bit of pre-rivalry going and the friendly banter going. That's oh, the yeah. fun of sports, right? So yeah, Sometimes it isn't even friendly, but mostly yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, I remember going to Madison one year and crashing on Almington's couch from USCHO. Like, it just... Save me some money. I think I got yeah. free tickets through Coach Russell and basically just had to pay for food and Wando's. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, one of the things that was different about the early days of Hockey L was some of the coaches and athletic directors were on. Oh, really? Time. Yeah, some of them actually participated a little bit. Others of them just lurked. Like Bob Mancini would, would occasionally post to Hockey L. He was out there. And, I had no idea and, the coaches yeah. were there too. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, only makes a couple sense. Of them you want to you want us to be in the news or in the know, yeah. like, and that's the fastest way to get info back, man. It makes yeah. sense. I would, I would, I would assume most of them lurked versus actually, uh, yes, saying much. But yeah, yeah, that was it. I remember being at a uh, uh, Blue Line Club lunch in the Tech. Uh, when Mancini was coach and, and he, he actually gave a pitch for hockey. Hell, he said, this is like the Peyton place of hockey. You guys all have to get in on this. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's uh <laughs> there's always a speculation of the coaches reading. Are they seeing that mm-hmm. hockey L at that point, you got to have a little bit of technical chops to look at that point, which isn't necessarily right. a, an old school hockey coaches. uh <laughs> domain so if they're on there that's that's impressive yeah. shows how that that news getting that news around is important yeah yeah that was cool and so eventually it sort of morphed into the uh discussion boards on, on uscho that when when that started to happen hockey L sort of declined at the same time because message boards were you know more immediate and less email overhead um but it changed it really changed the dynamics of the thing because the thing about the mailing list is on hockey L's. We all posted under our own names. Sure. Yeah. There were no aliases from well, work accounts. If you're going to shoot your mouth off, you did it with yeah, your own yeah. name. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. It, it's got a sense of permanence. I mean, I can look back there and see stuff that's posted from the beginning of it, right? It is still all there. archive on Maine's listserv. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot. It, I should have mentioned, mentioned Wayne Smith our patron saint at the University of Maine who started Hockey L and nurtured it and helped mediate disputes. Wayne passed away <laughs> a few years ago, but he was the guy who kept it all together just through equanimity, not getting sucked into the arguments and newer arguments. That's impressive. <laughs> and the administration at Maine was quite happy to go along with the thing. Well, I believe it. Uh, and the, the, the archive goes out there. I'm pretty sure t- right to the beginning. I and mean, it's absolutely, it, it's, it's all there. It, it, anyone that's comfortable with that era of early internet, it looks exactly like what you'd expect the listserv to look like, right? We've mm-hmm. got, you know, uh, at work, we still have a couple of them hanging on for certain engineering groups that right. are used by some of the older engineers, but not so much the newer guys anymore. <laughs> They're still out there. 
Yep. So you, you can find them, but uh, it, it has that, that old school feel of early internet to it. When you look at it, it just, it, it looks familiar, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you really ought to be reading it with pine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know that was one of my, my least favorite things about USCHO was like the, I don't even know if it's the last time, but one of the times they didn't update, they basically lost all the archives. Ouch. And and it's like, now I can't go look up the receipts on all this stuff. I can't go find that great picture that the NMU fan posted of the Tekken Northern guy crossing sticks as the puck crosses for us to win with like one second left in regulation. Like all that stuff is just kind of wow. gone uh, as far as I can tell. I mean, I'm sure some of it's on like the internet. Uh, oh, the Wayback Machine. The right. Wayback Machine and that kind of stuff. But most of it's gone as far as I can tell. But you get you get a local escort. You get to know who you are, right? You get to meet. You get to actually meet folks, and so that's that's one of my favorite parts about about college hockey is the actual community around it. That's that's what draws me to it and keeps me engaged in it all these years later, right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you wind up becoming a fan of another team. Like I sort of adopted Tech a bunch of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as Tech isn't playing the Gophers and they aren't anymore, I am rooting for Tech every time. That yeah. happened to a lot of Gopher fans over the years, hasn't it? That's- yeah, the, the, the USCHO yeah. got the whole True. gopher invasion, right? Yeah. yeah, that's that's why that's why my brother and I, I've got I've got I'm, the only other college hockey jersey I have is an Alaska jersey from going up there and hanging out with a with a guy I met at a work conference. You know, Britain, he's been on the show before, right? <laughs> so their their network engineer also happened to be their PA guy, and I met him at Cisco Live, Eric. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so you know, you get that that whole community around it. It's fantastic. Yeah. So. It's, it's a good time. You said it's, it's still going, but slower. It is. is it something it is. that folks, do we, uh, can folks actually look at how you, how can you join it? It doesn't have to be a university address anymore, right? Oh, no, no. It I hasn't think been it for a long time, right? No. Okay. Yeah, right. How would you subscribe to it? That's a really good question. Um, you probably just sent an email that says subscribe to it, right? Yes, I think so. <laughs> yes, yes, yes that's true. Yeah, yes, yes, hockeyl.list.main.edu and, and the body, it would be a subscribe hockeyl. Yes, that still works. Yeah, yep. That, would yeah. Be so that, that is why when you see a big old email thread and someone says unsubscribe to it, that's the reason. It comes from listserv software trying oh, to get off boy. of something. That's why folks send that to, in an email. Oh, <laughs> I, I do send that. I have sent that before. I didn't know the origin of it, but yeah, I usually send it that, joke people or CC me on stuff that I'm like, I have no interest in this. And I send it to my friends unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that is, that is, that is a pure lifts. That is listserv email etiquette leaking basically, because that is a command to stop, uh, to stop getting a thread or to leave an, a, a list to serve itself. Yeah, Interesting. During the heyday, it could be overwhelming at tournament time. We might have like a hundred messages a day. And some people would go on digest uh, just, just because it was overwhelming. In mailboxes. <laughs> now, sure. if you got a hundred messages a year, it's a bunch. Yeah. And yep. mostly in March and April. Sure. Around the gathering of the, the final four, right? Yeah. We get together and watch slap shot and uh, <laughs> drinks and <laughs> Yep, I still have I still have you know like the the, the pins from collecting them. Got oh, yes. you know a bunch of those. They're they're in, again in a box somewhere in my office. One of these days, I'll make an actual appropriate hockey background for for the podcast with all that old stuff. Oh, once cool. I'm settled where I'm supposed to be in an office, but yeah, I've got a whole bunch of those old pins still. 
Neat. Remember, we're just running around collecting as many as possible off of old guys' hats as like um, I don't know, seven-year-old <laughs> a bar in St. Paul. Oh yes. Oh, let's see. You, did you just join while we're, we were talking, Tim? <laughs> Tim I tried and I got rejected. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> we need all the members we can get. Come on. <laughs> Your email's been flagged. <laughs> oh i'm supposed to do am i supposed to do subscribe hockey dash l and yep. then that would be right send it to listserv at list.main.edu that would be right okay or it should be right i wasn't listening so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not uh, very forgiving in its syntax it has to be exact right it's not going to sure. figure it out for you <laughs> yeah it definitely has that old. School I mean, I should know this it. from running the Misfits listserv for a while, which still exists. Yeah, all the all the listservs that Tech used to run when we, when we were in school were the same software, and it, it's the same same exact thing. So, uh, you had a listserv from a, a lot of classes would have a Misfits listserv was the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 what was used. So and I basically use that every once in a while to to tell students to go on freaking road trips. Nobody cares if you get an A or a B in a class go on road trips right yeah Yeah, that's the part you're gonna remember nobody's gonna give a crap about your gpa in about 18 months so (laughs) don't worry about it yeah but you're gonna talk about the road trip you took to the ralph what how many years later 20 yep yep been a long time (laughs) yeah yeah uh is there any particular thread that you could remember as a really good or heated one eric Kind of along the lines of the arena story. Oh, pep band ones were always big, uh, arguing about uh, scholarships versus need-based aid. That would get pretty heated at times. So I would say, oh, oh, need-based aid, right? The coach needs a goalie, so this guy gets some aid, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, that would that would get kind of hot. You know, whether this team had student athletes, we have student athletes, unlike you guys with your Big Ten scholarships, right? Okay, sure. Yeah, overage Canadian. The overage Canadian argument has always been there. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh. And always arguments to, you know, about the N plus one team that didn't make the tournament and why they got screwed by the committee. That was always popular. Yep. Uh, Even though it's really not the committee, it's a formula. Right. Not right. that there aren't humans that made the formula, because there mm-hmm. always are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you, know. you can you get screwed time. by math. You can get screwed by math. Yeah, yeah but right. that's a thing. You can, you can get thing. screwed by the biases of people that created the math. No, I think math, <laughs> math could definitely just decide to screw you. <laughs> oh, and okay. Duluth made it in a few years ago with zero 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 one, and that's the year they won the tournament, right? A oh, gosh, that's right. They yeah. did. They yeah. did because the, the team that was N plus one that year was the Gophers. Everything oh, really? lined up in Duluth's <laughs> favor that night, and yeah, everything the Gophers place and Duluth was in, and the Gophers were out, and then they went and won the whole thing. Yeah, they were like yeah. a five percent chance of getting in that night, and then yep. they, that, that like one situation got them in, and then they won the whole thing. They no. did. Well, that's what makes the tournament fun is that you can oh, get yes. in on that skin of your teeth and it doesn't matter. And, and yet, and yet <laughs> one they of these still, years they we'll still get, win again. Yeah. And, and yet they still get super mad. If you happen to even suggest that maybe they are a little lucky. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duluth has become the new team to hate. Biddy, Biddy can appreciate this when he listens, but Duluth has become the new team to kind of hate around college hockey, it seems. <laughs> well, and, it, and they, it's not Biddy's have, fault. It's it's uh, like... No, no, it's not I, Biddy's I, fault. I'm just... But we've always known that there's certain jack wagons on that bandwagon, uh, <laughs> one of which was the one that liked to call me an idiot for claiming that Duluth got lucky because they did. Uh, oh, yeah. Not, I think, not that I'm saying you know, tech would have won but like you're telling me that they're like the whole thing about uh you make your own luck is a great saying but it's not always true and that and it's like i've said it for a long time that somehow michigan tech plays very hard and does a lot but they always they don't get the bounces for some reason and i don't understand how they have struggled so much to get the bounces for so long when they are a hardworking team. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, this is all just uh, waiting patiently for some really weird year where they're the last team in and does something stupid. Right. That would be cool. Hopefully I can afford (laughs) it whenever it does happen. Uh, But yeah, it's just, Take, it is. take your take your own advice, Tim. Nobody's yeah. going to care in however many months if you have a little bit of extra <laughs> debt because you decided to fly to Tampa on a whim. Oh, I know. <laughs> if they make the tournament, I mean, I have I've missed one regional. I think that's but it. I haven't I missed, I missed a tech Bridgeport. In the, I haven't wow. missed a tech in the regionals. Regionals uh, are great. That's why the hardcore fans come out. I, yeah, I'd love it, it if Michigan fun. Tech went back to uh, Colorado. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would like to actually just once watch them win that first game instead of we're yep. becoming the St. Cloud of the of the tournament at this point, where we just go and lose each we, time. We will never be St. Cloud because we have titles. Even okay. if they were before I was of born. the of a, of a recent era. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's frustrating to go and lose each each time we've gone. But I haven't missed one either. I will definitely drop whatever's going on and make it uh, when regionals comes around. It is kind of cool to see how things have progressed over the years. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Eric. Well, it's nice for catching up me. about this. It's kind of cool. This is fun. I'm looking forward to the next time we're up at Tech. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we make sure we get back up too, and when you guys are coming into town, so we we, we make the trip up too. So we'll do it. All, All right. right. Sounds good. Thanks, Eric. Thanks a lot. Thanks, yeah, Eric. Have a good. Thank you. We had the we had a Joe show today. I was the only one that managed to listen, but there's a couple other points that we can talk about. Maybe we can wait on some of that stuff till next week. Um, but we'll we'll talk about all the alums in NHL camp. Uh, the hiring of Dwayne Rollison at Lake State, uh, and we'll we'll talk about the Joeism. I'm sorry, Joe, uh, Dustin didn't get to listen and say it himself, but we'll talk about it I anyway. Love, I do love Joeisms. Yeah. All right. Uh, since we didn't do it before, we started talking to Eric. Let's do the thank you notes and get a brief note from our sponsors, and we'll be back to talk about uh, what's going on with tech hockey and alums throughout the NHL. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at FibkeDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, 
and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at LivoniaTech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A-Tech.net. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, welcome back. Let's let's get into things with all of this. First off, though, I need to announce that we have a new patron. Uh, Brandon Benedict signed up at the gold level today and paid with a new feature that I added sometime, I think, last spring. Now you can pay for a whole year in advance and get, I think it's like a, what if we, what is it? A, uh, like a 15% discount or something. So he paid $102 for the whole year at what would have been $10 a month. Um, thank you for signing up for that, Brandon. Uh, and that's always nice for us to get more. And it looks like we have 40 patrons right now, which is kind of cool. That might be the most we've ever had actually sounds, active at the same time. Which sounds like the most. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... Um, Michigan Tech released the thing uh, with 11 alums in NHL camps. Uh, the best, the best part on the whole list to me was that Caro and Caro are both in Dallas. Uh, and then we've got uh, the Kings have Copley and Roy. Detroit had Bliss and Lesperons. Chicago had uh, Jujar Kara. Uh, the New Jersey Devils had Brian Hallinan. Ottawa's got Jake Lucchini. And then Pittsburgh had Mitch Rinke and Colin Sawyer. So I think that's pretty cool to see that many guys at NHL camp. Um, I haven't had a chance to look. I know the Wild played a preseason game yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I haven't had a chance to look and see how much those guys have actually gotten to play so far in any preseason games that have happened or how many other teams have even played preseason yet. But uh, it's nice to see that much. And Joe talked about it a lot today about how, you know, uh, he he talked a lot today about reminding this year, reminding him of um, the year, um, the year after like Blake and Carol left. And Tanner left, sure. Yeah, where all these guys thought it was their time, and. And and but how much how much it takes to actually be the guy that's counted on instead of the guy that gets third fourth line minutes, right? And, yeah. and how much that transition can be difficult for some of these guys. And 
and he's you know waiting to see how it goes. I I really wanted to ask Joe a question to take a shot at Matt because he just won't let go of his U Sports thing even on our <laughs> Discord, and I'm just kind of over it now. And I really wanted like, but they talked about playing the Canadian schools and how much value they see in it. Um, and I wanted to ask, get more elaboration on that, but I think he did a pretty good job of just kind of saying like. Anytime we get to play up, play against somebody else, it's a good thing for us. And, you know, I, I would fully expect that, like, the the games this weekend, that I wouldn't be surprised if Lake State and, and uh, Lakehead both agree to allow more players to be dressed than normal so Joe can get more guys ice time to, to try stuff out and do different things. Um, one of the more interesting things that came out on the podcast was that he's had Nordstrom and Crespi playing some defense, not so much because they'll be on the blue line, but helping teach them how, like the, like helping teach them about the responsibility of keeping the puck. Because if you make a mistake at defense, it's one shot away from being in the net. Whereas when you're up at forward, when you make those same mistakes, it takes a lot of other mistakes for there to be a goal yet. And I thought that was interesting. It sounded like, there's a possibility that Nordstrom might be the quarterback of the second power play unit. So that's part of why he's getting some work there to get some comfort level on D. And I think that's, that might be a good place for him because I think he's got the scoring touch to, to do stuff. And I don't, I mean, I haven't watched it much. And one nice thing about this year, although a lot of our recruits aren't in that league is uh, flow hockey is covering the USHL now. And Dustin and anybody else listening, if you are a, a a fan of college hockey and want to start watching the games, apparently now the GLIAC is on flow. All their sports will be on flow this year. And if you sign up with your MTU email account using a link that we can put in the show notes, you get flow for a year for what, 70 bucks, was it, Rob? Yeah, it's a lot cheaper if you use your uh, your tech email for sure i don't i think you had to use your tech email and the gliac link yep right correct yep. yeah my dad figured it out and, and did that and used it so yeah so if you sign up that way and then you not that dustin specifically would care much about watching the football or basketball side of it but you could get flow hockey and be able to watch ushl what is it echl and uh uh ccha and atlantic hockey for 70 bucks a year instead of what is it 150 yeah, I, I think the biggest problem is going to be I don't know what my password is to my tech email address anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that yeah. makes it fun. Yep, I suppose. And it's not exactly easy to have them figure it out for you anymore, I don't think. Could Probably be, not. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't used that in years. Uh but yeah, if you want to sign up that way, Dustin, we can always sign up through mine because I'm using my tech hockey guide for my free one through um, CCHA. Um, anyway, I, I thought that was, um, it was interesting there. And then one of the big things, so I know we had some chat on our Slack chat today about Joe kind of throwing his former assistants under the bus for quality of recruits. But I, I like, I think... It's such a fine line to walk of, it felt like what he was actually doing. And I know neither of you listened, so you can't really 
counteract no, my no, comment I'm here. Fun listening is, uh, <laughs> is that I'll still make comments on it, even though I didn't hear. I'll, <laughs> I'll pretend. Yeah. Uh, the like Joe. Joe basically made comments about like it felt like he took responsibility for the fact that recruiting hasn't been as good as it needs to be, but at the same token, he also basically uh, pumped up Tyler and Jordy and how good they are, but indirectly directly kind of took a shot at the former assistants and the quality of their recruiting. Uh, but it felt like Joe was trying to take responsibility for where it's at and feels like those two will help him get it back in the right direction. That's the way I took it. I, I can see why um, one of our guys on uh, Slack felt like it was a shot at the old assistants. And, and I do think it was kind of a shot, but I think it was more of a, uh, it was more of a pumping up the guys we have now with some collateral damage versus taking a shot at the old guys as they're leaving kind of thing. And Dallas has been gone for over a year now and Brooks is gone now too. Um, but I think I said it on our last podcast where my perception of Brooks has always been that he might be a really great evaluator, but he doesn't come across as a guy that's going to get a 16 year old to choose tech. Yeah, I, I really liked what Joe said because I think he's pumping up his new guys. And and I think we, we even said it in the previous podcast that the part of the appeal of having a young guy like Jordy Murray coming in is to get that connection to younger kids, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, I think you need that at and some point. It seems like a validation of kind of that mindset that, that we had – guest he was having going into that decision to hire him yeah and i think a lot of it too is you look at um i mean no offense to kids but like a 16 year old kid's got a better shot at knowing who jordy murray is who played a big role in making a national championship game for wisconsin and playing pro hockey than than brooks or dallas like it just that's the way it is. So you, he walks in, I think, with more gravitas already, even if he hasn't quite earned it, just because of that that recognition of between him and then his dad and all that stuff. Like it's just a good, it's a good starting point with any of these kids. And I do think, um, he talked about, um, you know, trying to do more in Europe, and I think that's kind of the way it has to be for a little while here till you get. So you can start getting more of these kids from USHL. And his big point was, yeah, you want to recruit USHL, but most of those kids are committed to college before they even get to USHL. So you've got to find them at midgets and identify them when they're 15, 16, 17 years old before they're even drafted to go to the USHL. Not all of them are going to be like a Trenton Bliss or Alec Bretzman where they're decommitting from Wisconsin and we get an opportunity. He talks about how, um, I think it was Bliss when he decommitted or got decommitted by the team. Um, that that uh, Mikish had told him it was coming, so they jumped right on top of it. But he talked about how just because, um, it they had tried to get him before, and they and then Michael Caro, um, getting him to come in, they had tried to get him to come in before he went out east so it's not like they didn't have relationships with these kids Bronte's probably one of the few that they 
they brought in without any kind of relationship like that, but from a recommendation from the Huntsville staff because Huntsville was folding up shop. And it's just good to see overall. Uh So I guess one other topic that we should touch on since uh, Matt has been busy working away on stuff here is, is the Mel Pearson situation. Uh, We all know what happened at Michigan. The report came out. uh, It didn't look good for him. A lot of that reporting stems from conversations with uh, what was, what's man's first name? What can I think of it? Strauss. Strauss man. And then uh, Dave Shields. Um, And it doesn't look good. And then. uh, Wait, uh, did you say Dave Shields? Did I say Steve. Dave Shields? Yeah, I Steve think so. Shields. Okay, Dave Steve Shields was my old coworker. Sorry, uh, Steve. Yep, Steve Shields. Um, and 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 one of the biggest questions that comes out of this, from our perspective, is was stuff like this happening at Michigan Tech? And Matt took it upon himself to reach out to a bunch of uh, alumni, former players, and get get their input on what. Uh, what things were like for them. And we published an article about that. Um, and Mike did his, his usual old dog stuff and kind of took an outside perspective of what um, Mel Pearson's career has been like from player to now. Um, and basically, but even after we published the article with comments from a bunch of former players, we've gotten more players to reach out since then and tell their story. And the biggest one kind of being, uh, David Johnstone, right? I gotta, yeah, look. I think it's David. Yeah, stinks that the, the player that's doing it's got a brother, so I gotta make sure I say the right one. I think it was, David. yeah, it's, da- it's David, yeah. it's not, yep. um, it's right. not Jacob. So, yep. um, so Matt's kind of off right now, working his butt off on, on that right now, and uh, I, uh, what, what is your guys' perspective on the whole situation? I'm glad it's run its course and we can finally perhaps stop talking about it soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Maybe in five years we won't be talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially if Mel keeps hanging around hockey rinks. Yeah. What a clown. <laughs> How uh, like out of touch with reality do you need to be <laughs> to do that? <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I think my my takeaway is it uh, from it is I feel like we very inadvertently got really lucky because I think it was only a matter of time before similar something happened at Tech and it blew up at Tech, and then Tech was in the headlines for bad reasons. Because yep. I don't yeah. think this is, I don't think it's new behavior. And I, I think there's a lot of evidence that what he was doing at Michigan wasn't new behavior. Yep. And it was probably a very good thing that he left. Yeah. I think we I feel like a little bit of a bullet was dodged a bit, if you will, yep. um, yes. with him leaving. No, I completely I agree. agree that he's been. Uh, I think I said on one of the other podcasts that 
that you always have that like you always had this sense that his public thing was a persona and a facade from reality and you, i guess we never quite knew what was underneath and you can kind of see it now just how slimy he uh. was about everything and yeah there's like i understand some people are frustrated because it because maybe it seems like um it's not as like there are still people that are convinced that quote unquote it's not as bad as we think it is and i think a lot of that is because uh from a from the perspective of the old boys club the lines he crossed aren't like like some of the things he did are way worse than other things but a lot of it is the perception of like like to me some of what he did isn't even about what he did it's about the motive of why he did it that it was all about him it's all about like that a lot of what we have heard off the record since he left tech is all about the things he did to try and burn tech so that Mel Pearson would be the guy that fixed tech and the only one that could ever fix tech. And, and that's, that's what always bothered me about him. And what I think you see permeate through everything that happened is that a head coach at the college level is supposed to be about the players because it's supposed to be about development and growth and making them better people. That's the whole point of having college athletics. And obviously the more money that has been involved in college athletics, the more we get away from that with football and basketball and everything else. But you'd like to think that hockey isn't there. And the, the thing that's the clearest to me about Mel Pearson is Mel Pearson didn't give a crap about how we won games. All it was was about winning games and making his legacy on the ice the best it could be. And he didn't care who he hurts or how he did it as long as they won. And, and that's a problem. And and it's frustrating to sit back and, and see that stuff when you could just as easily like, and it's the one thing it's one of the bigger strengths of Joe is never once have I thought Joe didn't have the best interest of the players at heart. He might've struggled to get there or do it the right way, but his intentions were always about making the players better people. Um, I agree. I agree. And I mean, I've had my concerns with Joe being the coach and it's never been any issues with him having the right intentions and him wanting to, to be the leader of men, right? To like, be the leader, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think it is worth saying. I, I think at this point, any of the doubts that I had about Joe being the coach are completely gone. I've been, I've, you know, the last few years, I've been very impressed and, and happy with what he's done. Um, but you know, it he's the polar opposite of what it seems Mel was. Which yep. I I'd be really curious to have been a you know, a fly on the wall in the, that locker room when Joe was an assistant for Mel. Those two <laughs> guys I I can't imagine those two the two working together that had to have just been yeah insane. yeah I that that's that is one of the more interesting things about all of this is how did how like that dynamic of like either 
Mel was really good at putting that face on to that extent or yeah. or compartmentalizing enough that it didn't that Joe didn't see some of that stuff. I mean, I know we t- when we talked to Suzanne about um hiring Joe, one of my big questions was always if you were going to hire an assistant coach, why did you go through the whole process and and bring in all these other candidates and all that stuff? Why didn't you just hire him? And it was all because Mel it, it circles back to Mel being all about him, so he gets all the credit. So the coaches were at arm's length that Suzanne didn't really know what she had in assistant coaches and if they were material to be head coaches because they had been uh-huh. kept at arm's length from her. Uh, so it makes a ton of sense right at this point. Yep. It all makes sense. It's all adding up to everything else that we've seen. Yep. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so much to talk about on this topic that we could discuss. I just don't know. I don't know, I don't know where to even go with it, you know? Yep. But no, I, I know. And it's, it, it's a topic that I think in some respects, all the people that are asking us to move on, they have a reason and it's a good one. But at the same time, like I, I feel like, the the line that I have drawn at this point is Tech Hockey Guide is done chasing the story. But I'm not going to stop David Johnstone or any other player from using our platform to tell their story. Oh, yeah, I have no problem with that. I'm not trying to say that. Yeah, my my comment about being glad to be done with it is not to not hear what people have to say about it that still want to talk about it. Yeah, and my my point about being done with it is I'm actively going out, making it be what we talk about ourselves. If someone wants to tell their story, by all means, there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> but I don't think it needs to be a major topic of discussion for us anymore. No, podcast wise. Yeah, I guess I, for the most part, I agree with that. I just think we do need to address it, and that's what we're doing right now because not addressing it. I mean, we made the joke. Was it last week or on the? It's the the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. To, to not talk about it and just to to not address it, I feel doesn't do justice for the story. Mm-hmm. We don't need to harp on it, but it is a big story, and it does need to be talked about. That's you know, and then once it's talked about, we set it aside. Yep. Like like our discussion of U sports after next week we can stop talking about it for a year, right? Yeah. Exactly. No, I, no, no, that's <laughs> not that's not ever going to stop because I now follow a bunch of U sports stuff on Twitter. So I'm gonna be <laughs> retweeting all kinds of U sports stuff all season long. <laughs> Make sure you take Matt. <laughs> uh, he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> oh, we don't want him to. It's 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 uh yeah, it's a lot of energy spent on that, and I'm 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 good. Uh, anything else? No, I think. Uh, do we need to do we need to preview the games this weekend? We got some pretty sweet exhibition games. No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Do you want to talk about exhibition games? I want to talk about some youth sports. I, okay, I have a question. <laughs> Rob, you'll be watching Dustin. You can't watch, but or maybe you will probably listen. sign up I'll by probably... then, but you listen. 
No, I, I probably what? won't watch regardless because I'll be in working. But well, I mean, there's a there's a flow hockey or flow sports app for your phone. Yeah, but that gets anyway. really difficult when you're out working. in the field. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the so what? What do you? What are you looking for? Listening for out of these games, Sunday or Saturday and Monday? I I want somebody to step up and be an obvious. Uh, score. Yeah, I would love, love to I'd have love a, a good goal scoring threat start to work out. Even if it's even if it's against a lesser opponent like a U Sports team, it let's see somebody that you know was on the fourth line last year or didn't get a lot of minutes last year step up yeah. and flash. Yep, I know. Um, in our Slack chat, uh, um. Jonathan pointed out that Joe made some comment about uh, putting Ganey, Logan Pietla, and Kyle Kukkonen on the line together. Yeah. And how he didn't think Ganey necessarily fit there. And I'm like, well, he's got the skills. He j- and, and Joe talked about it. Joe kind of did take a shot at Ganey, basically talking about how every year for him, he comes in not as quote-unquote prepared as he should be and it takes him a while to get in the full swing of things and and i think you know throwing him on a line like that might put his feet on the fire and hopefully he rises to the occasion and because if you've got a line like that with two basically from an outside perspective probably two of your best players are logan Piedla and kyle kukunen yeah, if you throw Ganey on that line, he's going to get a ton of opportunities to score with that grouping, and and hopefully he can rise to that occasion and be a valuable part of that line and not just an anchor or something like that holding back the other two. So I think he's definitely a guy I want to see what what happens. Um, for me, a lot of it is going to be seeing what. Uh, the sophomores can do Nordstrom, Peterson, that whole team, that whole crew, because they didn't get much for opportunities last year. Yeah. And I want to see uh-huh. how how useful they are, even if it is against the U Sports team. I mean, the Lake State game is is obviously more valuable to me because because unlike unlike Flow Hockey, I I think Lake State's primed to be home ice but i don't think they're primed to win the conference <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but seeing what nordstrom peterson levi stauber can bring to the team i think is is an important part of things uh but like i know uh Zemedis doesn't think Ganey's ready but he's a senior now he's he's gotta be ready um and part of it is Part of it is if you can put a guy like Ganey that you could make a pretty good argument has underachieved. Yep. And and if you can put him with the right guys and he reaches yeah, his full potential, then then suddenly you got an extra part and yep. you can build another line with another talented player around another, you know, top line type player and suddenly yep. that turns into depth. Yep. I'm guessing. Cause, yep. Because if you take a guy who is a third, fourth liner and throw him with your two best players, and suddenly you have a bona fide top line, but you right. pushed your third best forward down to the second line, you just created that depth that your that your offense needs, so that they don't 
So that top line, even yep. if it's constantly getting the top D pairing, you're going to get more ancillary scoring because your third best forward's not on that line. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 maximizing the talent you have to and and creating that depth and and that's why we have exhibition games. That is the the perfect example of why these exhibition games matter. Because if this was the first game of the year and we were playing Wisconsin, like we have in the past. I don't know that you have the luxury to do that kind of line mix matching. You, you kind of have to fall back on what are your known uh, entities, right? Because that game counts in the pairwise. Then. Yep. Right. Um, it gives you a little bit of experimentation. I don't mind the experiments for that reason as well. And, the, and, and I will say the one, the one good thing about playing Ferris non-conference early is that game doesn't mean much of anything. Because it doesn't really hurt you in pairwise because it's a conference opponent. Like it's not it's not the crossover mm-hmm. game that others are. It's just one more game against a conference opponent, but it doesn't hurt you in the CCHA standing. So I guess that's the one value of playing that game early. Uh, I did laugh at Joe once again claiming that he had one game available. So that's why they did that. And he's wrong. They still have one game available. So, um, but that was from the show. So whatever, it's fine. I think some of it too is with the way the the CCHA schedule is. It's just hard to fill everything, especially especially with Joe choosing to do a Canadian uh, exhibition game, an NCA exhibition game, and the U.S. Development Team exhibition game. It, 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 there's limited number of weekends that he can play games, and you want some rest in there for the guys. So I get not, I get why he does it. It's fine. Um, but I think that's about it. Anything else? No, I think it's about time for me to go uh, reboost some more tea and uh, suck up some more cough drops before my voice completely dies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't so, know what happened to you guys. I feel great. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what what it is, but it's it's not COVID. Oh, Those have been negative. I'm still on well. my three year COVID negative streak, so someone managed to not get that. But yeah. Uh, well, I haven't done this in a while, so I should do it. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. We did talk about our new patron, Brandon Benedict. Thanks for joining. If you'd like to join him and become a patron, go to patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Um, we need to work on getting another um, patron-only um, uh, interview or video chat, or video yeah. chat with somebody. Um, if you've got anyone you want to suggest, let us know. Uh, with our addition of Instat services to Tech Hockey Guide's repertoire, which hopefully Augie's going to get going on some stuff this year, so we do have some feature content that's talking about that. I know Jay Z's been using it, but we need to get some more in-depth stat geek, uh, you know, geek stuff going on here. Um, so at the white level, you'll be getting early access to that stuff once we start rolling it out. That's just two dollars a month. Um, that also gets you question priority on the podcast. If, if we start getting some more questions, um, since the podcast has started, we've done extended versions of every podcast, which is available at the black level or above, which is $5 a month at the gold level for $10 a month, you get access to everything I've mentioned and the zoom video of our podcast, uh, before the rest is out. I usually publish that right away on Monday nights, um, you also get an authentic MTU jersey patch, which you'll get someday as soon as I actually get more patches from 
uh, from our source. Um, at the silver level, which is $25 a month, you get access to everything I've mentioned, plus a commercial-free version of the podcast and discounts on all of authentic jersey orders. Um, I guess that's pretty much it there. So if you want to check us out there, go to patreon.com slash Guide. One minute remaining in the podcast. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Uh, we do questions through Twitter, Facebook, and on our Patreon page. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Uh, we're going to try something new or we're going to continue to do this till we get too many of them. If you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Dustin will read the review you leave, no matter what it says. So let's get some ratings and see what you guys have to say. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibkey Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McGrezen, for his generous donation to get things running. We hope you enjoy. And finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. You've been listening to the Chasing McNaughton podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA.